You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to New York. This is, is the Devil's Devil State, State of Mind podcast, podcast, brought to you brought by to you the Hockey, Hockey Podcast, podcast Network. Network. Now here's now your here's host, host, Neil Villapiano! It's so much easier and more enjoyable to record these episodes coming off of a win. What is going on, Devils fans? It is, as always, your host, your boy, your confidant. I feel like every single couple of months, I'm going to add on another uh, term to that intro. Uh, Neil Villapiano, and welcome to another exciting edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast, right here on the Hockey Podcast Network, as well as Sports Wire Radio. The best place to get everything you need to know about your new Jersey Devils. I hope you guys are, as always, having a fantastic, awesome, whatever positive word you want to use uh, day when you're listening to this episode. Thank you guys, as always, for taking time out of your day to check these podcast episodes out. I greatly, greatly appreciate it. It still really blows my mind uh, every time I look and I see that every episode's getting over 100 downloads. Some even get to over 200. It, it really it really uh, makes me feel good, and it makes me feel like you guys really enjoy what I, uh, what I bring, and I really appreciate it. And if you are new to the podcast and you do like what you're listening to, don't forget to leave a five-star rating on uh, Apple or Spotify. Every little bit certainly helps grow this podcast more and more. So again, I hope you guys are doing well. And thank you, as always, for taking time out of your day to check these episodes out. This episode and everything we do here at the Hockey Podcast Network are sponsored, as always, by our wonderful friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. As always, guys, when you sign up for DraftKings, don't forget to use our promo code THPN and tell them that Neil Villapiano sent you. Again, a big shout out and thank you to our sponsors at DraftKings Sportsbook for sponsoring the Hockey Podcast Network and the Double State of Mind Podcast. And don't forget, as always, to bet responsibly. So the Devils 
coming off their first win of the season. That's the main thing we're going to be talking about in this episode. So this is going to be a relatively short episode because, you know, again, there was only one game to really talk about since our last episode, which was on Monday. Um, and if you haven't checked that out, episode number seven of season four, go back and check that one out as well. So we're going to be talking about that. Uh, not a whole lot going on in the Adirondack Thunder, Utica Comets, or Metropolitan Riveters uh, to speak of. So we're going to talk about the Devils game against the Ducks. We're also going to talk a little bit about the Devils' new reverse retro jersey. It hasn't been released yet, but we have a couple of things that have come up over the last couple of days that give us a pretty good idea as to what um, what we could potentially be seeing. And by the time next episode rolls around next Monday, we will pretty much know what's going on because from what I've been told and what I've gathered from with regards to information, it sounds like Thursday afternoon at some point, this upcoming Thursday, the 20th of October, uh, the NHL will officially release all of its reverse retro jerseys. So we shall see how this all comes about. And then we're going to end the episode with a Q&A. So a couple of you guys, um, I, made a, I made a post on Twitter and Instagram asking for you guys to give me some questions or some takes, whatever. And uh, I was going to read them and answer them on this episode. And I'll also give uh, the Twitter or Instagram handle as well so you guys can follow them. And also, I just want to give them a shout out for uh, doing it because I like to get everybody, all of my listeners and fans involved as always because this podcast, as I've said many times before, is for the fans by a fan. And I mean that 110%. So as always, guys, we have a bunch to get to here on the Devil's State of Mind podcast. So let's not waste any more time and get rolling. So we'll start again, like I mentioned before, recapping the Devils game on Tuesday night at the Rock against the Anaheim Ducks. So Devils coming in, losers of their first two games uh, against the Flyers and Red Wings, respectively. And they were looking to try to get win number one against the Anaheim Ducks, who were coming off losing the night before at the Garden against the Rangers. This was also the first time this season the Devils were rocking their black alternate, or as a lot of you like to say, the jersey jerseys, uh, to which the Devils have had a decent amount of success with, actually, since wearing them. And um, I've talked about it before, and a lot of you guys know how my original feelings were about these jerseys last year but now that i have one i have a nico Heischer one to be exact and you know i actually did a live watch along of this game and i had a bunch of compliments about the jersey the 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 black jersey has certainly um you know grown on me over time where now like i'm I'm okay with it like i i enjoy wearing it more and things like that it's cool and i've had a lot of family and friends as well say oh it's a really cool jersey and so i think at the end of the day and I think this is important because, again, we're going to be talking about potentially what the what the uh, reverse retro jersey for this season is going to be, uh, what could potentially be for the Devils. I think it's important because, look, at the end of the day, we always know that we're not always going to get what exactly we want. A lot of us want some of the same things. A lot of us also want different things. And it's all a matter of opinion. And, you know, sometimes we react very quickly to jerseys like myself before we really see them on the ice. And when we see people wearing them around and then you kind of 
figure it out from there. Like, for instance, I didn't get uh, the Nico Heischer Devils black jersey until this summer. So I didn't even get it during the season. It just took a while for me to eventually say, you know what? Why don't I get why don't I get myself one of these? As far as the the reverse retro coming up, I mean, again, it, it's it's all going to be about just you know I'm going to see obviously what happens later this week, how it comes out, and then I'm just going to kind of look and just see where things go. I'll be curious to know when the Devils are going to debut it and what the schedule is going to be like for the games that they will wear it. Uh, very curious, and I'm also curious about everyone else in the NHL. Um, as well. So we'll see uh, how Thursday uh, goes for all of us. Uh, but anyway, yeah, Devils rocking Black Jersey the first of 10 times, I believe, that they will be wearing them this season. So that was pretty much the deal for the Devils going into it. The other big thing was that, and I mentioned it in the last episode, uh, Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick of Sportsnet were doing uh, their most recent episode of 32 Thoughts, and they were talking about Lindy Ruff and Really, a lot of the talk around the NHL the last couple of days leading up to uh, that game against Anaheim was simply that Lindy Ruff's job was already on the line. That He was already on the hot seat two games in. The fire Lindy Ruff chance had already started. I mean, the Devils, as you know, we've talked about it, us as fans were already upset with the team starting off 0-2 against two opponents that in all, seri- in all honesty, they should have beaten. Like they should have been 2-0 going into this game, but they weren't. And obviously, you want the Devils to come out in this one and have a better performance. And it didn't start off that way because in the first period, the Devils looked horrible. Mackenzie Blackwood, in particular, looked horrible. Jakob Silverberg scored not one but two goals um, for the Ducks in that first period, his first two of the season. And both of those goals came on two of the four shots that Anaheim had through the first 10, 11 minutes of this game. So the Devils were down to nothing very early on. And by the end of the first period, it was two nothing. So if you looked at it right then and there, right then in there, the Devils at that point had been outscored 12 to four. And they were down to nothing against the Ducks team that they, that again, Devils are much better than, but wasn't showing it. It looked like it was going to be another game where goaltending was going to be very unreliable, and that we were going to go on to another loss. And again, the fire Lindy Ruff chance began began, um, in that game, and rightfully so again, just because of the fact the way uh, things went. The thing about it, though, is that I don't know what was said in the locker room, whether it was from some of the players, the coaches, or a combination of both, but something flipped in the locker room during the intermission between the first period going into the second, because for the final 40 minutes of this game, the devils absolutely dominated the entire game shots on goal possession, everything. The devils had 20 plus more shots in this one. At one point, the shots were like something like 35 to 16 in favor of the devils. And finally the devils were getting rewarded for the amount of shots on goal that they had. And it started with Andre Pilat, a little more than four minutes into the second period, scoring on a rebound, getting his first goal as a New Jersey Devil. So welcome to the New Jersey Devils, Andre Pilat. So he picked up on a rebound. And then later on in the period, Nico Heischer 
almost in literally the exact same position as Palat scored on his goal and also ended up being the same way. Nico scores on a rebound to tie the game up at two. So by the time you finish the end of two periods, the Devils, it was a tale of two periods, looked horrible in the first 20 minutes. After 40 minutes, they looked much better and the game was tied at two. And the Devils picked up right where they left off, just 33 seconds into the third. Jesper Bratt with a gorgeous, and I mean gorgeous, cross-crease pass to Dougie Hamilton, who just easily tapped it in to a wide-open net and gave the Devils their first lead of the night, which was great. And the Devils continued to push. Dawson Mercer would add a goal Later on in the period, it kind of fluttered up in the air, hit the top post bar down, and in beating Anthony Stolarz, who, by the way, is a uh, central New Jersey native, in case you uh, wanted to know that. But the Devils continued to dominate. They had several other great chances throughout to score even more goals. But in the end, they locked it down and got their first points and more importantly, their first W of the season, winning this one by the final score of 4-2 to two, while finishing with four unanswered goals after going down 2 nothing. So, yeah, it was honestly a – that was the best game the Devils had played for 40 minutes because, again – this was not a complete game. First 20 minutes, Mackenzie Blackwood looked shaky. He looked much better in the final 40, but there is still some questions about, you know, can he be fully consistent? I mean, again, this is, we're talking about goaltending here, but it, but again, he made some really good saves and did not allow the Ducks to get really back in this game at all. And the Devils got themselves a well-deserved win. And we already know the Devils are the analytical darlings. The amount of games that we see, even in the deserve to win meter where the Devils clearly deserved to win and they didn't. Uh, this was one of those very uh, few times where the Devils deserved to win the game and they did win the game um, anyway. So, yeah, I mean, it's great to get the first dub of the season. The hope is now, and it's still being early in the year, that the Devils can build upon that and, uh, you know, rack up some wins, rack up some confidence here and really, really get this season rolling. Uh, we did have a big milestone that I, that was, and it was funny about it because it, it was kind of like, it wasn't mentioned, like the Devils, even social media channels didn't mention it. Amanda Stein was the only one that mentioned it uh, on social, because other than that, I don't think people would have, rec would have realized it. Lindy Ruff got the win, obviously, being the head coach of the Devils. That was career win number 783, which has moved him past the great Al Arbor for fifth all-time in NHL history. So Lindy Ruff now is in the top five most wins by an NHL coach in NHL history. Uh, obviously still without a Stanley Cup, but, uh, you know, he continues to rack up wins. And, you know, again, look, obviously I still want Lindy Ruff off this team. You guys know my feelings about this, but it is nice when you can be a part, when your team's part of, you know, positive milestones like that. So there was a little bit of, uh, you know, a congrats there for Lindy Ruff, at least coming from me, that he was able to get that win. And uh, hopefully we can rack up some more. Um I think what would be great is if we could get him to 800 um, because if he get, can, I mean, that, that means that he still has a job with the team. But again, at the end of the day, Devils still have a lot to work, a lot of work to do, but it was important to get that first win, not continue to allow 
a losing streak to start to begin the year and let this thing snowball. So all in all, rough first 20 minutes, but a really, really good final 40 that ultimately got them that win against Anaheim. A um, couple other things that stood out to me in this one. Jesper Brett has looked really good through the first three games. He doesn't have a goal yet, but he has five assists for five points in three games. So he has really gotten got himself off to a really good start um, statistically. And hopefully sooner rather than later, he starts getting uh, some, some pucks in the back of the net and gets himself going because this is obviously a big year for him, playing in a contract year, trying once again to show the Devils and everyone that uh, – that season last year was not a fluke and that this is who Jesper Brett is now. So really good job from Brett and hopefully he can get continue to get more ice time because obviously, you know, Lindy Ruff played him less than 17 minutes in the first in the uh, first game. He got more in the second and even more here in this third one. So hopefully this continues to pick up. And speaking of ice time, uh, Alexander Holtz, he started the game on the first line and ended up finishing the game on the fourth line and he finished playing a total of five minutes and 55 seconds of, of, of playing time. He didn't even play six minutes. And when Lindy Ruff was asked after the game, why Alexander Holtz played so little, the answer that Lindy Ruff gave us was basically, I wanted to play more of my veteran players, guys like Michael McLeod on face-offs and Nate Bashan and stuff. I don't get that. And again, this is a, this is once again what drives me nuts about Lindy Ruff is that he switches lines in the middle of the game. Even if we're winning the game and we're playing well, he switches lines. And he benches guys, even guys like Brett, and he's benched Holtz several times. And Alexander Holtz spoke to the media and said, you know, he gets that you got to change some things here and there when you're not winning, but he would just like some more consistency with his role on this team. I think Holtz through three games is still trying to figure out what exactly is his role on this team. Cause he's played with so many different players already. Like the lines are being switched so much. Like it's still preseason. And this is a joke. This is a freaking joke. And this is the thing that drives me nuts. And one of the bigger reasons why I want Lindy rough fired. There's too much inconsistency with the lines. You're not going to build chemistry and get some really good things rolling if you're going to keep switching lines. You're going to kill players' confidence. They're never going to know what line mates they're going to play with and how they're going to be able to play with different guys left and right. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. And so this is frustrating. I want to know what – I also want to know what Holtz's role in this team is because, in my opinion, if you're going to move him around this much, you might as well send him back down to Utica and let him play on the top line with the Comets and just give him another year to develop. Because it just doesn't feel like at times that the Devils are allowing Holtz to be the player that he wants to be. This goal score. He got the first goal of the season on a power play, his first NHL goal. And ever since then, he's gotten less and less and less ice time. And I don't get it. And people could say, well, he hasn't been playing well. Well, he also hasn't been playing well because he's not even really even getting chances to do anything. Because when you're getting stuck on the fourth line and barely coming off the bench in the major parts of the game where you need goals and he's a goal scorer, you know, how can we blame Alexander Holtz for that? At some point you have to start saying, maybe it's not the player. That's the issue. Maybe just, maybe it could be the coach. I'll give you a quick example of this. You know, in John Hines's last year as the head coach of the devils a couple of years ago, he benched Nikita Gusev 
who got off to a slow start in his first year in New Jersey. When John Hines was fired and Elaine Nazardine came in and just allowed Gusev to play, he actually ended up having a really good year. Maybe not from a goal, goal scoring perspective, but certainly from a uh, from an assist and point perspective. He he had some really good games and had some really good chemistry when you didn't screw with with what he was doing. That was really well. And this is another example of you need to give Holtz a definitive role on the top six and don't move them. And the same could be said for a lot of guys. Just let these guys play. Let them figure it out. It's still early in the season. And maybe Holt, maybe Rupp is doing this because he's trying so hard to keep his job that he's trying everything to get some going. But then at the end of the day, you're working against yourself. You're working against yourself because you're doing the same thing over and over again by changing lines all the time and it's not working. So that's the thing that's so frustrating about this, that we can't, we're not going to win enough, a lot of games, and we're not going to live up to our full potential if you're going to keep screwing up the lines and not and not allowing these guys to create chemistry. So that was the big thing. It was like even in a win, Lindy Ruff was still screwing over somebody, and it continues to be Alexander Holtz. I don't get where this is coming from. I, I There is very little to no logic here. So, yeah, that's the biggest negative I would take away from that game. And hopefully, hopefully, uh, Lindy Ruff learns from that and gives Holtz better ice time and gives him more consistency in his role. Same can be said for the rest of the forward group. Devils, um, rest of the week, I mentioned it before in the last episode, but I'll mention it again. Devils take on the Islanders on Thursday, and then they wrap up the week with a home game, a home uh, afternoon game at uh, 1 o'clock, I believe, uh, against the San Jose Sharks. So these, again, another two winnable games. The Sharks more than the Islanders, but you know what? The Devils can beat the Islanders. So again, the hope is, is that by the end of this week and by the time you next hear my voice on this podcast, the Devils will have found a way to win these next two games and go from starting the week off 0-2 to improving the 3-2. and That's the hope. That's the hope. So, you know, again, let's see what happens. All in all, tough first 20 minutes, but a good 40 minutes to get their first win on the board, and uh, hopefully they they can uh, build off of that. So the next thing I wanted to quickly touch on, um, which I will have obviously more information about this, but I wanted to get it out here. And this is, again, why I also at times will record these episodes uh, late on Wednesday night so you guys can have it in the morning because it's really the most up-to-date, um, most up-to-date news. Uh, the Devils and the NHL, with their partnership with Adidas, who makes the jerseys, they put out a couple of teasers on their social medias today, taught you know, showcase well, giving us a hint on the reverse retro jerseys. This is reverse retro number two. The Devils did this, if you remember, with the uh, green, red, and white um, a couple of years ago, and now they uh, are doing this again. Now, when it comes to the reverse retro, a lot of the questions were, well, what were the Devils going to do? Um, and a lot of it comes around that it could be the Kansas City Scouts. Uh, it sounds like from the Colorado Rockies perspective that it's probably going to be Colorado that does that. They already did the Nordiques look, so I think the Rockies is the next logical one. So the Kansas City Scouts uh, seems like the next retro type thing. Uh, every team also put out a very dark video, video that was um, that the lighting was very dark, showing the jersey, and there was so little light. And again, all of us just nitpicking these little things, trying to figure it out. From what I've seen, it looks like a white 
jersey with potentially some Kansas City scouts-like look. A lot of people, including myself, would not be thrilled that the Devils use their main logo and make it blue. It's just not going to work out. Um, it would be pretty disappointing if that ends up being the case. Um, there's just some things about it that look like it could be a re- a white, you know, reverse retro with the Devils red, green, and white, although they did do that with an alternate a couple of years ago with Adidas, so I, I with the Heritage jersey. So I wouldn't really be – I would be kind of confused as to why would they do that. Uh, one that Ryan Novozinski of NJ.com brought up that I think would be great is a reverse of the colors you already have, the red and black. Instead of making the jersey mostly red and a little bit of black, you reverse it, make it mostly black and a little bit red, and you use – the devil's logo that's on the hashtag on Twitter. So if you have Twitter and you type in hashtag NJ devils, you'll see the little emoji next to it. And that's something that the devils have used a lot over the last couple of months and what they use a lot on their socials. So it's possible the devils could do that, which I think would be kind of cool as well. And I know they already have a black Jersey. They have the Jersey Jersey, but this could be almost like a sense of redemption that make a black Jersey more, to what the fans want, but I don't want to get my hopes up. I'm very curious to know. I think the Kansas City Scouts ends up being a main part of this, and it all just depends on what the Devils decide to do. And again, uh, from every information I can get, the NHL didn't announce anything, but from everything that I could I could come up with, it sounds like Thursday the 20th in the afternoon, early afternoon, you know, 12, 1, 1 o'clock, um, the NHL and its teams will release the videos and pictures of their reverse retros, uh, reverse retro 2.0. So we'll see. We'll see. There's there's a couple of different things that uh, could happen here. We have a pretty good idea where this might go. And uh, we'll have a full review and discuss it in greater detail once it's released later on this week. So we shall see. Hockey fans, it's finally time to hit the ice again. And thanks to DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, you're in for the season of a lifetime. New customers can bet $5 on any team and get $200 in free bets if they win. And there's so many different opportunities out there because hockey is, as I always say, a magical, unpredictable sport. You never know what type of game you're going to get. You might get a couple of opportunities here and there, but with matchups like even the big events, like the Winter Classic that's coming up, or any of these outdoor games, all-star games, big matchups against the defending cup champion Colorado Avalanche, and so much more, DraftKings, as always, is giving you huge opportunities to get major cash prizes. If that wasn't enough, excitement you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, and you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Here's what you got to do. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use our promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game and get $200 in free bets if they do. That's code THPN, TBPN, or TPPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the National Hockey League. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. 
Now, finally here to wrap up this episode of the Devil State of Mind podcast, as I do sometimes, I like to do this to get the fans more involved. I decided to do a Q&A. So I actually ended up getting two questions from people on Twitter and two questions from people on Instagram. So there you go. And again, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at Devil's State, and you can follow us on Instagram as well at Devil's State of Mind. So let's kick things off with our first question coming via Twitter from Guadana5. That is his Twitter handle. Um, he actually does a lot of European scouting, and he's a big Devils fan, and uh, he's in a couple of chats that I'm in, and if we've, we've interacted a bunch. He's a really, really good guy. So uh, thank you so much for the question, man. He says... Talk about goalies and how they can't keep the Devils, how Blackie finally keeps it in two periods and how that makes great impact on the game. How can the Devils fix it? Maybe they can find young goaltending somewhere. Thank you for the question. Um, yeah, I can't explain why the Devils have struggled this much for so long since Marty retired when it comes to just having even just have decent goaltending. I, a lot of it has to do with bad luck. I do think, again, the system that Lindy Ruff has implemented, I think, is just forcing the goaltenders to be more sporadic and not being as stable as they normally would be in other, you know, typical systems you see around the NHL. Uh, as far as Blackwood, look, I mean, he has to show more consistency. If he can have a full game or a full couple of games like he had in the second and third periods against Anaheim, the Devils are going to give themselves a great, he's going to give the Devils a great shot to win a lot of these games. And that's what we want from him. And that's certainly as well what we want from Vitek Vanacek. Um, how can the Devils fix it? By just having these, by obviously fixing the system or changing it completely to allow, to get more guys in front, block more shots, and allow Blackwood to make the necessary saves that he has to, and same thing with Vanacek, and not have these guys be so sporadic and out there. You know, make it less confusing for everybody involved. And obviously, when it comes to finding young goaltending, I mean, we have guys like Nico Dawes, Akira Schmid. Um, a couple other guys are escaping me, Tyler Brennan, Brennan as well, Jakob Malik. You know, these guys, again, they're another year or two or three away from maybe being legit NHL goaltenders. So maybe down the road we do find our long-term solution. But we're riding right now with Blackwood and Vanacek. And again, with everything that I just said, that is the way that the Devils are going to be able to fix this. So we'll, we'll see if things can improve as the season progresses. The other question comes from a big fan of the uh, of the podcast, and he's been on here a couple of times. My good friend, Jersey Joe, at Jersey Joe 11 underscore NJ on Twitter. He says, what are your thoughts on Lindy Ruff being the anti-Holtz type coach and being such a liability and not playing four lines with consistency? Do you see players turning their trust to Burnett now and start telling Fitzgerald to remove Ruff from head coaching? So to answer the first part of your question, I still do not think that Lindy Ruff should be the head coach of the Devils for much longer. I know that they won, and obviously that's great, and winning kind of solves everything, but his system just is still not beneficial to this team. It doesn't allow them to live up to their full potential. It doesn't allow them to shoot the puck freely. They still make way too many passes. Their defense at times, they get totally confused, as Nico Kiescher pretty much called out Lindy Ruff for, that guys are still confused and not understanding as to what exactly their assignments are. And Lindy Ruff just kind of making it, giving these guys a hard time. As far as his situation with Holtz, I really don't know what the deal is with that. It feels like I mentioned before, very similar to how Hines seemed to have a stick up his ass about, 
you know, Nikita Gusev. And this is, and Alexander Holtz is an important player on this team. Why is he here playing with the Devils if you're just going to screw with them a bunch? You know, why is it that, you know, are we going to go back to where we were playing Taylor Hall in like a fourth line type deal or even Jesper Bratt benching him for no damn reason? Like, wh- when is this whole like trying to teach these kids a lesson and to help them grow and learn going to stop? And that they actually just be be free to just go out there and play the way that they know how to play and just let them go. Because sometimes if you just give these guys the freedom to do what they can do, and what they want to do, it ends up producing really good results. And so I, I don't know where this is coming from. And the flipping of lines just has to stop. Uh, as far as do I see the players turning their trust to Burnett? They could. It's still early in the year. Um, we know that Jack Hughes is still a big proponent of Lindy Rupp, big defender. Nico, not as much from what we've seen. But I do think if the devil season continues to start off slow, like if let's say we lose the next two games and we go, to one and four. I do think that that Fitzgerald won't need the players to tell him that. I think that he, I would like to hope actually that he has a short lease on Lindy Ruff and doesn't allow this season to completely get out of hand before the end of this uh, first month of the year. And I do believe that Andrew Burnett would end up becoming the interim head coach, or maybe they would just make him the head coach altogether. Although, Barry Trotz is available, and I know that he said he was going to give it a year off, but I still say he's available. You might as well call him and pique his interest. You know, Andrew Burnett and Barry Trotz are the two guys that are at the top of my list as the next head coaches of this team. And, I mean, we'll we'll see. We'll see what happens with it. Again, it all depends on how this Devils team continues to play. And, again, you're hoping we can build off the win against Anaheim, take it into the next couple of games against the Islanders, San Jose later on this week. Now, the first question from Instagram comes from one of my good friends. Got a chance to finally meet him at the home opener. He has a really awesome uh, fan page on Instagram at Devils Fanatics. So make sure you go uh, you go follow him because he makes some great, great edits. And he's very, very active. He loves interacting with fans just like I do. You know, make sure you go uh, interact with him and follow him for a lot of the really good Devils coverage. He asks me, how are we feeling about the new additions so far? This is obviously, again, we're only three games in. But here's the thing. The two guys the most that stand out to me as far as like really good production has been Eric Halla and John Marino, which I'm sure some of you guys would be like, well, that was kind of weird. But John, but what I like about Eric Halla is that he's really, really a dominant face-off guy. He brings a lot of speed, and you can kind of plug him in anywhere with anybody, and he seems to build some good chemistry. So that's a positive, especially if we're going to have guys out of the lineup here and there due to injuries and things like that that you can kind of plug him in on certain situations. Although, long-term, I'd like him to be on a line with Miles Wood and Dawson Mercer because all three of those guys played really well in the preseason and got chemistry right away. Um, But yeah, Eric Halla, definitely a solid addition to this team. John Marino, he's not a big points guy. He's not a big offensive guy. But what he does do is he's very similar to Jonas Siegenthaler where he just does the little things right. He gets a big hit when you need him to. He's not afraid to just push guys around, just get the puck out of his zone and out of his situation and make solid, crisp passes and really creating a, str- a much stronger core of that defense of that defense altogether. So those are the two guys that really stand out to me very well. Vanacek, rough first game. Uh, we'll see if he plays on Thursday. You're hoping that it was just a bad game because he looked really good in the preseason. He could shake it off and get us and get a couple of strong starts moving forward. 
Andre Palat, slow start, but obviously he did get his first goal uh, on Tuesday, and uh, hopefully he can uh, go from there. He finished with 18 goals last year, so I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility to ask him to get to try to get to at least 20 goals. I think that would be realistic, and I think once he is able to build some more chemistry, and this is with the hope that Lindy Ruff doesn't change up the line so damn much like he's been doing, um, that he can start to get uh, his goal scoring up um, a bunch more. Brendan Smith, Honestly, at this point, I'd rather just play Kevin Ball. I mean, Brendan Smith, like, he's physical. He's gotten into a couple of fights, but he's also taken a bunch of penalties. And uh, defensively, he's just average. So he's kind of like the lone negative spot in that defensive core. And I'd like to see Kevin Ball get a couple games. I'd like to see it because I think the big body presence and everything, and he's a much smoother skater. He's much more confident. I think you've got to give him the shot. So for me, I would like to see Kevin Ball get I'm not the biggest fan of Brendan Smith, but maybe things will change as the season goes along. Now, the last question and the second one from Instagram comes from at D-N-B-E-R-N-E-J-O on Instagram. Thank you, boss man, for the question. He says, could someone please explain why Ruff keeps changing the lines and not give Holtz a proper chance? Again, talking about the situation with Ruff and Holtz. Again, I don't really know what is really the problem here with why Holtz gets so little opportunities to produce. Like, he had a lot of chances in the preseason, and I guess the Devils, maybe they felt pressure to, to keep him up here because he was expected to get up here, but maybe Lindy Ruff doesn't trust him. I don't know. But you're not going to be able to evaluate somebody and give them the chance to really grow and become that star player if you're constantly moving around the lineup and and in games you're benching him basically to the fourth line and playing him less than 10 minutes and almost less than uh, five minutes. I mean, he's not a scrub by any means. Maybe we all, maybe, you know, who knows? Maybe he's not the, the player that we thought he was, but at the same time, we're never going to know if we're going to keep moving his his moving him so much. And he even talked about it, Holtz did, about he wants more consistency and a more definitive role in this team. And I'm hoping that Holtz can get that opportunity starting on Thursday against the Islanders. But I don't know what exactly Ruff, uh, what Holtz has done to piss off Ruff to the point where he doesn't play him at all and barely plays him during these games. I mean, he's up here for a reason, is he not? He was drafted as high as he was for a reason, was he not? I mean... We're not giving him a fair shot, in my opinion. So, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I really don't know. And it'll be interesting to see what transpires over the next couple of games and how uh, Lindy Ruff um, moves his lines around because he's probably going to, you know, whatever you see in pregame warmups, you probably won't see uh, after a couple of minutes in the game. So we'll we'll see. I really, I really don't know what to expect moving forward with regards to the relationship between Holtz and Lindy Ruff. And hopefully it can improve and Holtz starts getting a lot more playing time and a lot more opportunities to really grow and get his confidence up again and um, ultimately start getting goals in the back of the net. But thank you guys so much for the Q and A's. I will be back doing this, doing a Q and a um, relatively soon. Uh, we'll be recapping some of the upcoming games uh, by the time next episode rolls around. And we'll also talk about the reverse retro 2.0, which will be coming out later this week. So, you know, it's great. The devil's got a win. Finally got that win to, you know, their first win of the season. And again, like I mentioned before, hopefully we can build on this and start racking up some more wins and, uh, you know, getting the season off on the right foot that we all want We all want them to.